On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we have a jam-packed show to get to. We will break down what we saw last week from Arthur Betterbeev, his big stoppage of Anthony Yard. Will he fight uh, Bivol? There's a big, two big fight cards this weekend, one on ESPN featuring Emmanuel Navarrete, and then an a all-women's card uh, featuring Amanda Serrano, Alicia Baumgartner, uh, Sky Nicholson's on the card. That's over on the zone. We'll also get into this... Uh, saga here between Golden Boy, Bud Crawford, Alexis Rocha situation. Here we go. What is up, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. This is a product of John Boy Media. I am Dan Canobio. He is Chris Algieri, the former world champion, who will be heading here to New York. Chris? How are you, my friend? Are you ready for the polar vortex? We love to talk weather at the beginning of the show. Uh, I was not. I was unaware of the polar vortex. I still. I still don't know what that is. But you said that as soon as, as soon as we started talking. If I was ready for that, um, if it has to do with cold, then no, I'm not ready. I'm never ready for cold. It's gonna be cold this weekend in the Garden. Um, there's a fight card at MSG over on the Zone Saturday night. Amanda Serrano uh, facing Erica Cruz for undisputed at 126. Uh, Alicia Bumgarner finding LM Mechaled that is undisputed at 130. Scott Nicholson is on the card. She was here this week at John Boy offices. Friday night, Emmanuel Navarrete and Liam Wilson. Uh, you'll be on the call with Matchroom and other JM employee, Justin Shackle, correct? Yeah, yeah. Me, me and the Shackle are, are going to get after it on Saturday night. We're, uh, we're excited to be working together again. Uh, I always love coming to New York to work the shows. And on the undercard, friend of mine is fighting Avril Mathy, is fighting mm -hmm. Ramla Ali, which I get to call that fight. It's a good ten round, ten rounder to close out the uh, before the bell series. So, nice, something else to look forward to. Yeah, she's fighting uh, Ramla, Ramla Ali, who is known. Yeah, uh, made some history last time fighting in Saudi Arabia. First woman to do that. Um, so that's a pretty good uh, weekend of, of fights. Before we get to boxing, see Tom Brady retired. Oh, I did not see that. He's done. See, I see, guys. You should come here for all your news because I do too. I don't. I don't hear anything. I, I'm in my bubble. I'm in the gym. I'm training. I'm working. I'm doing whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm researching fights so I get to talk to you guys about stuff. Yes. And then I come here and I learn everything about everything else that's going on because apparently I, I'm in my boxing bubble. Tom Brady retired, and uh, I think a lot of boxing fans can uh, relate to this. A a your favorite fighter retiring numerous times. Like you're still you're not officially retired yet, right, Chris? No, I've never, I've never retired. I've never said I retired. People thought I was because I was out of the ring for a while. But I've never been the guy who retired and came back. But I have had very long stretches of being off. But there's like it's a relatable thing, like where Brady retired last summer and came back, and you know Floyd's done that a million times. Pacquiao's done it a million times. Mike Tyson, Van Holyfield, Ali, everyone has had time. Sugar Ray Leonard. It's like a tradition in boxing because they don't know when when to step away. But Brady's done. Yeah, and money, money is a is a, has a magnetic force. Money, fame, attention. Yeah. Right? A lot of that. Uh, I, I just put this together. These were the world champions the last time an NFL season was played without Tom Brady. Lennox Lewis, Eric Morales, Felix Trinidad, Bernard Hopkins, Chris Bird was the heavyweight champion, uh, Vander Holyfield, and Diego Corrales. Those were the champs the last time in, uh, I guess, 1999 was the last time there was an NFL season without the year Ronnie was born uh without well, if, Tom Brady. if there's a, if that's any indication on what the the, the years to come and championships are, are at boxing without Brady then I'm, shoot I'm with it and the sad thing is Holyfield fought what last year on Triller 
God. I'm yeah, sorry. he fought, I didn't he fought my, uh, my gym mate, Vitor, Vitor Belfort. I'm sorry for even bringing that up, anybody out there. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into it. Uh, Better be Ev, uh, Yard, awesome fight. Uh, real slobber knocker at a light heavyweight division. Rock'em, sock'em, robots. <laughs> there was pretty much this right here. Rock'em, sock'em, robots going back and forth. Better be have took some big shots. Yard took some huge shots. I think despite Yard losing, his stock is sky high because I thought he took Better be have into some deep waters. But Better be have comes out on top. And did you see any signs of slippage? Because I have a lot of – I'm seeing people talking about, oh, if he fights Callum Smith, that's I think Callum Smith can beat him. Uh, I think Better be was obviously a killer, but I did see some signs like, you know, this guy maybe showing his age a little bit. What did you see from, from Better be in this fight? First off, Callum Smith can beat him. I, I'll say that right now. That's that, He's a very tough guy to fight, um, especially at light heavyweight now. I think Callum Smith has, has had a resurgence in his career. He's looked amazing at the weight. He's tall. He's long. He's got power. He's He's durable. So, yeah, I know Callum can't beat him, but I don't think that's due to better be of aging or, or showing signs of aging because I don't really see that. I do believe he's getting smarter in terms of his output early. Mm-hmm. He used to get hit and dropped early. He get hit with a lot of hard shots, clean shots early because he was so offensive-minded. He seems to be starting a little slower. You're the numbers guy. I'm sure you're going to be able to follow what I'm saying in terms of his punch stats and what his output's like. But he's just smart. He's starting sh- smarter, starting slower, um, still getting hit, but not getting hit quite as cleanly. And taking the punch is better. I mean, Yard can punch. And we've been speaking about Yard in this matchup. I don't I don't necessarily think it was so much better BF slipping as it was Yard fighting a very good fight and and fighting uh, you know, probably above the potential that we've seen recently, or maybe maybe fighting closer to his actual potential, because the guy is very athletic, he's very strong, he's very explosive, um, and he's shown durability. So yeah, I think it was just a it was a good performance on Yard's part. Uh, a great finish by by Better BF. But, yeah, no, I, I I don't know. I think it's a little early to speak on is he slipping. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see good. him, I like, was good. I didn't see him, like, visibly hurt at all. But in yard throws bombs. No. Didn't see him stunned. Like, there was a few, like, moments where it was like, oh, okay, he he, he got hit, and, and this is a fight, and he's going to stand and trade. Uh, but he threw only 41 punches per round. That's down from his 63 career average. Um, Yard landed the second most punches ever on Better BF, 111. Uh, Vodzik landed 136. Uh, but his his connect rate, power connect rate was way up, 46%. So that kind of goes to what you just said, fighting smarter. You know, we saw this from Manny Pacquiao when he was towards the end of his career. He wasn't throwing 70 around. He was throwing like 45 around, but his his accuracy was way up. So you're going to have to give up something when you get to 37, 38 years old. So if Better Be is going to give up the 70 punches around and he's going to lower it down to 40, 45 you know, that accuracy is going to be even higher, which is kind of scary because I think, I mean, does anyone have a harder punch than him? Like, punch for punch. Is he the hardest puncher in boxing? Is him and maybe Wilder, Javante Davis? I think for one punch power, nobody beats Wilder. I think I, he's one of the best one punch punchers I've ever seen in history. Definitely. But in terms of just, just overall punching power with both hands, like two-fisted sledgehammer power, we're looking at better BF. I mean, he, he pounds guys with both hands. I mean... Yeah, left hook, right hand, uppercuts, every, everything's hard. Everything's good. His jab. His jab, I think, is one of his, his best punches, and he does a lot of damage with it. Hurts guys often because it's a very shocking punch. You can I remember watching the yard fight, his head getting yeah. hit with jabs, just smashing back. Also, something technically inside boxing with, with, uh, with Chris Algeri here. Mm-hmm. So when you've got a fighter like Yard, very explosive, very twitchy, uh, very athletic, very very physically gifted, you tend to throw less punches. 
because when you're fighting them, because you're trying to get a gauge in them. Yard doesn't move like a traditional fundamental boxer. He's he's got that athleticism. He drops low. He throws he throws explosive shots. He has power. He's a dangerous guy to get hit with a punch you don't see. So you throw less punches, you get a little more reserved, and you get guys in front of you like that. A lot of times, guys get handcuffed because they don't want to get their hands away from their defensive position right. because the guy like Yard is so fast and explosive, he can catch you. So that that could speak to a little bit of why he was throwing less punches because, I mean, you just said he dropped 18, 19 punches from his average. That's that's a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of that could be him being more precise, but also part of it could be the style of Yard and dealing with such an explosive guy. Love that. So I'll, I'll throw the numbers out there, and you'll give us the fighter, you know, side of it, perspective. That's mm-hmm. why this is the best boxing podcast in, in the world, in the universe. Um, quickly, it goes towards better be of Bivol, and that was the talk after the fight. I tweeted out that I think it's the best fight you can make in boxing. Got kind of ripped for that, like a bunch of people responding than the normal, uh, you know, in a way, Fulton, what about Lumay Fulton, what about Haney Lomachenko, what about Spence Crawford? I don't know where you stand on this, and it, it's just like, you really don't have to rank these, but that's something that boxing fans do. Uh, we're always ranking or always, you know, you know, putting one against the other. I personally think that better be FB ball, skill for skill, is the best fight you can make in boxing right now slightly above spence crawford slightly above in fulton it's because of better bf being perfect with the knockout power and bivol being at the top of his craft as a pure boxer like stylistically that is just an awesome fight and mostly i edge it a little bit towards better bf bivol being a better overall fight than some of those because of the power of better bf like i don't think spence has that type of power crawford doesn't have the type of power in a way does, but Fulton doesn't. So that right there, just it's slight edge. Where do you stand? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think maybe in in terms of technical skill, I'm still going to lean towards Crawford and Spence. Right. And in terms of fights the fans want, I, I just feel like that's been the, the luster has been kind of knocked off that a little bit. Yes. So it's tough. I mean, I inside boxing people, I think you got to go for better be a bivol. I mean, it, 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 on the scale of of titles and pound for pound and best fighter like that that fight matters we're finding out who is the best light heavyweight and it's not a division that was really has been touted historically but we're in a we're in a a high point for light heavyweights right now there's a ton of guys in that weight division that are very fun to watch very skilled very talented some of the probably one of the best light heavyweight divisions we've seen especially deepest um and we got the two guys that who have literally cleared out everyone else and they're ready to, to fight each other so there's a lot of meaning in that fight whether casuals understand it or not. Yeah. So I, I'm a, I've been pushing for this fight. We've been excited for this fight for the past four months at least. So yeah, that's a fight that 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 has to happen. And then in a way, and 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 Fulton, it's happening. I just it's happening, <laughs> which is awesome. But I don't think it moves the needle like the other guys do because you know they're smaller and and casual fans and outsiders. It doesn't bring as much uh, viewership. Uh, now if they put on a classic, great. We yeah. we 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 love classics no matter what. And 22. 26 back to i'm thinking eric morales barrera days mm-hmm. those guys are 122 126 they brought a lot of eyes to the sport even for the smaller guys and made a lot of money for a lot of people so if they put on a classic yeah it could, it could be very meaningful but i think i'm with you dan i'm, I'm i want better be a bivol bad i think that fight is just such it's such a home run sadly i don't think we're gonna get it chris because of whoa optimistic dan is I, being I, pessimistic i just there's so many like hurdles like 
this hap this cycle happens so much in boxing. Like better be even people first of all have been on top of the light heavyweight division for like five or six years now, and they have not gone to the negotiation table once. So that mm -hmm. right there is kind of sad in itself but now this is obviously that's before Bivol beat Canelo I think there's a whole different type of stance yes. on Bivol he's viewed differently now even though he was still world class in my opinion a lot of boxing fans opinions but now this fight for, for mine exactly my for, opinion for clear it is clearly one of the top three fights you can make in all the sport but this is what happens in the sport all too often it's like there's an obvious fight to be made I mean better be a Bivol is an obvious fight to be made but then you have the WBC stepping in and saying, oh, nope, Callum Smith is our mandatory and that has to come first. And then you have the WBC also saying, we will not sanction Russian fighters because of the oh, conflict boy. in the Ukraine. Keep in mind, oh, they just sanctioned Betterbiev, who is Russian, but lives in Montreal. Also keep in mind, Dmitry Pivot lives in California. So it's just boxing. Getting in the way of another big fight happening. You know, the fighters are saying they want it. Uh, you know, Hearn has talked about wanting it despite, you know, having Bivol and despite having Canelo. And we know that that fight probably will happen sometime in the fall. But I just don't see a, t a time frame in the next year where b or better be if Bivol happens. Boxing is such a minefield between governing bodies, promoters, networks. How, how do we how do we even make these fights happen? It's ridiculous. There's so many ways, you know, for things to go wrong in this this. I don't know. I'm, I'm the deeper I get into the sport, the the grosser I feel. The more I need to shower, but you know, it is it is what it is. It is. I know. I know. It's just like it's the same cycle every time. It's like the hysteria yeah. after Betterbeev's win on 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 Saturday and the clear opponent for him, an undisputed fight with Bivol. It's just right there. But you know, Calm Smith. There's there's four different other organizations, and he's a good fighter. He's not doing anything wrong. Uh, I mean, he, he wants his crack at it. And Callum Smith versus Betterbeev will be fun, but it's not like it's not the fight we want. It's not the fight we're all clamoring for. Yeah. And if, if I'm Bivol's manager, I'm going for the Canelo rematch because that's the biggest money to be made in a fight that I think is he's going to win, and he's going to win. I think handily. Uh, Betterbeev is probably a more dangerous fight than Canelo at this point. So, and you're gonna make a lot more money with Canelo. So, if I am the management of Bivol, I'm going for Canelo. If I am the fighter Bivol, I'm going for better Bivol. But, but I think that Bivol I'm is stupid. like kind of crazy <laughs> enough where like he doesn't care about. Obviously, cares about money, but like he just seems like a guy that really wants to be like the best, and he Ooh, would take on. He would take fighter. on better BF. Yeah, like I could yeah, see him saying, that. if it was up to him, I don't want Canelo. If I will always be there, I want to be the undisputed champion at 175, which the division I've been in for the last, what, five years? Which I agree with wholeheartedly. I was the same way in my, in my career. I always wanted the biggest, toughest challenges. I wanted to fight the best guys. Um, you know, money's cool. Listen, and, and making money's great, trust me. But, you know, legacy matters. So I, I, I agree with you. I think I think Bibble is that kind of guy. But again, there's a, there's a lot of... There's a lot of input from people around you in, in, in fight sports, and you know we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's networks involved too. Um, Bivol's with mm -hmm. Matchroom and DAZN, and Better Bivol's last couple of fights have been on uh, ESPN and Top Rank. So that's something to keep an eye on, uh, that whole situation. Another situation literally came out of nowhere on Saturday. It was a picture posted on social media of Oscar De La Hoya, Bernard Hopkins, and Terrence Crawford. And the aftershocks that this has sent through the boxing community – uh, are are pretty substantial because my brain right right away went to, okay, will Oscar now represent Bud in a potential Spence negotiation? Now he has 
you know, Golden Boy behind him. He's got some some footing behind him. That was my initial thought, you know, optimistic, Dan. And then the, the layers start getting peeled back a little bit. And then you hear that, you know, this photo was strategically posted. This meeting was strategically organized on the same night where Alexis Rocha was fighting. And I'm going to be honest. I've seen Alexis Rocha fight here and there. Not someone that's really on my radar. Um, ranked fourth in the WBO. We'll get to that in a second. But now you have the DAZN team, Chris Mannix, who I like, and some of the DAZN socials really pushing Alexis Rocha as a potential opponent for Bud Crawford. All with the caveat that if Crawford gets past Rocha, which he will, he could potentially fight Virgil Ortiz in Dallas in the summer or the fall, which is a pretty fun fight. But it's not the fight that we want. It's not Crawford Spence. This is a saga that's playing out right in front of our eyes. Saga is not the S word that I would use for this <laughs> in terms of what I think about this whole situation. So we got Bud Crawford. Terrence Crawford is the pound for pound. One of the pound for pound kings. Are he's a top. He's on the Mount Rushmore kid. today. 100%. So we are negotiating a fight against an undefeated kid that most people haven't heard of. Who He has one loss. Belong. He, he, oh, he okay. lost to Rashidi he, Ellis. Okay. Even worse. So... Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know this. That, that That's how little that this makes sense. And who stylistically, I've watched his fights. It, it's just a, a terrible matchup. You know, it's the guy does not belong in with the elite of the elite right now. Um, fighting Bud Crawford for the chance to fight Virgil Ortiz. What is that? We've that's not the fight we want. We, no. we, so you're you're teasing what could be for a fight that we don't really want anyway. We want Spence and Crawford. We don't like if Crawford and, and and Ortiz. Cool fight. We like it, but that's not the fight we want. Right. So teasing a fight that we don't want in order to get a fight that is B compared to what we really want is mid, as some as as uh, Ronnie super super producer would say. I think mid. We're not allowed to, to say it anymore. I think mid is done. Mid's done. Oh, yeah. See, I'm 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 old. I've aged yeah, out. I've started saying it too, um, and I I get looked at in the office. Like, stop saying it. Well, that's why, because once you said it in the office, you're yeah. the old guy. Now it's yeah, it's out. Exactly. So whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I, this this that, I don't I don't like any of this. The this Crawford Rocha Ortiz. I like the Ortiz Crawford idea, but let's right, the timing on, of I, it. I, right. I'm not I'm not over the Spence Crawford situation. <laughs> You know, I, I think a lot of people have moved on. It's not going to happen. I know it's not. I know, but like, I still like. I don't know. It's hard to get excited for fights that are not massive. If we're talking about Bud Crawford. The reasoning for it is, if you want to get technical, the WBO welterweight rankings are as follows: um, Crawford is the champ. Number one is Thurman. Number two is Ortiz. Both of those guys have fights coming up. Thurman is uh, rumored to be fighting Errol Spence. Um, I, I think maybe in June. And Virgil Ortiz is fighting Stanionis. So that means Rocha is next in line. He's going to be named the mandatory for the WBO. I know it's it's all nonsense, but this is the rationale that they're using. And I'm trying to think on why Bud Crawford would sign with Golden Boy. You know, his whole thing with Spence and was, I'm my own boss. I'm going to BLK Prime. I'm making $10 million to fight David Avanesian. Uh, Spence, you're not your own boss. You say you are. But we all know you're going to be fighting Thurman, who you said you're not going to fight. So, therefore, that makes, I think, Bud look silly. Is because now he does have a boss. It's going to be Oscar De La Hoya. And you're going to be fighting Alexis Rocha. And I think that the Ortiz fight would be, like, insurance if they don't get the Spence fight. 
because that's what I think how Oscar's looking at. Oscar's looking at it as, well, have him fight one of our guys in, in Rocha. That's an in-house Golden Boy fight now. Uh, it can propel Rocha if he puts on a good performance. Easy fight for us to make. Obviously, the next fight would be uh, a fight with Ortiz, should he get past Stanionis, which is not easy. Or Oscar no. says, you know what? Now I can go to the drawing board with Bud for a Spence fight. I can see why Golden Boy would do this. It makes sense from Golden Boy's standpoint. Don't think it Absolutely. makes much sense from Bud's standpoint. Like, why didn't Bud sign uh, a two-fight deal with PBC? If he really wants a Spence fight, unless, unless Golden Boy's giving him, like, an insane amount of money. I don't know the inside deals there, but you would think <laughs> that that um, Crawford would sign with PBC on a two-fight deal to make the fight even easier to get with, with Spence. Well, the moves the moves that Bud's making are money moves. He's not making he's not making the, the path to the Spence Crawford fight easier. He's, he's not making, making legacy moves. You say he's making no, money moves. Right, he's making money moves, not legacy moves. So his last fight, the, the Black Prime. Listen, we all know that Black Prime wasn't going to be able to pay ten million multiple times a year for these kind of guys. So he didn't really have a leg to stand on there after that one fight. He took that one off. I get it. I've, I've done the same thing with, with some of these new promotions that came into town, throwing a bunch of money around. You get it while it lasts. Yeah. That was that situation with Bud. So he's got to move on from there. So why would he sign with, with Golden Boy? Obviously, it's money. Because if you really want to make the fence fight, just like you said, you do a two-fight deal with PBC. But Oscar's probably offering more money. Or Crawford is thinking longer term, I can do this and then do that and and make the money compounded both on both ends. But you know, we'll see how it plays out, but definitely money moves, not legacy moves. He already told us, like, straight up, like, if I retire today, I'm in the Hall of Fame. I'm a three-division world champion. I'm happy with my legacy. That That's fine. That That's him. But, like, the fans think otherwise. Um, but, yeah, I, I could see why Bud is it would do this, too, because he fights Rocha, gets paid handsomely. Um, he has the Ortiz fight in his back pocket. Uh, he could fight Ortiz and maybe win that one, maybe not, and then yeah, can always go back fight. to Spence next year, which is insane. Because I said if this fight, yeah. Spence Crawford didn't happen in 2022, I thought it was a failure. Now we're looking at 2023 not happening, and now we're going into 2024. Bud's like 38 at that point. Uh, definitely not going to be at 147. I, like, I'm so tired no. of talking about this fight. But also, like this threw like a, a wrench into everything, and, and now having Oscar involved and, and Bud uh, – going to golden boy and what it all means and so now thurman is fighting spence and bud is fighting roach it's just like ugh. <laughs> uh. just like ugh. I, I, and uh and we, you know we, we've we spoke on both of these enough let's that's want to move, move on all right let's move, move on. on moving on to fight previews fights that are actually happening uh this weekend chris will be on the call um from madison square garden uh a big night for undisputed Amanda Serrano versus Erica Cruz for Undisputed. Alicia Bumgarner, uh, Ellen Mechalid, uh for Undisputed uh, as well. Um, we'll start with Serrano. Um, uh, I think this card for Serrano and Bumgarner, uh, these are history book fights for them. These are a chance to become Undisputed in their respective weight classes, but I still think their biggest tests and their biggest money fights are still to come out there. With Serrano, it's obviously the rematch with Katie Taylor. I know for a fact she's been hounded about that all week here in New York. She actually tweeted it like an apology to her opponent, uh, saying, I'm sorry all the questions are about Katie Taylor. I'm not looking past Erica Cruz. And then obviously with Alicia Bumgarner, it's the rematch with uh, Michaela Mayer, who she narrowly edged uh, last fall. Uh, but we can go to Serrano. Excited for her to, to 
to get this, like to go for undisputed 126, you'd be the first fighter, male or female, to be undisputed at 126, which is kind of cool in the four belt era. Very cool. The four belt Very era. Cool. There's a lot of caveats there, but it's it, it, it's cool. Um, she's fighting Erica Cruz, who has a, the other side of the belt, um, has been a champ, has defended it three times. First southpaw that Serrano has ever fought. I think that's kind of interesting. 14 years of fighting, never fought a southpaw, maybe obviously sparred a ton. First southpaw hmm. she's ever fought is is Erica Cruz. Should be a good one. That's very uh, interesting. I, I want to see what Serrano uh, has left in the in the tank. Um, she's had some grueling fights the last three, four years. We'll see if age, age, you know, father time comes for, for everyone. We'll see how Serrano looks. Uh, I'm not looking past Erica Cruz towards uh, Katie Taylor. I think Cruz will, will give her some good rounds. Yeah, I mean, with with someone like Serrano, first of all, let's go to the, the United Speed of 26. Deservedly so for, for Serrano. She has been at this for a long time. She's been a champion up and down the weight, weight classes. She is, she's been able to change weight classes like like no one I've ever seen. It's been it's been a pretty incredible ride. I've fought on the same cards with her. Yeah, divisions. Um, it's it's wild. I've fought on the same cards as her many times. Been watching her come up throughout the years, and she fought in obscurity for a long time. And then as in the recent years, has really gotten out there. And I mean, part of it is because she blasts girls out. She's got real knockout power. Yeah. Uh, but also her ability to to win titles in multiple divisions at the same time, up and down. Are you giving Jake uh, Paul when, any credit too? What's that? Are you giving Jake Paul any credit for her rise as of late? Uh, I, I'm giving him credit for lining her pockets. I, th- I think she she made a lot more money because of him, but I don't think she, her I don't think her breakout was because of him. I think I think she was breaking out prior to that, and okay. I think part of it is also just the landscape of women's boxing has really mm-hmm. blown up. But and then lastly, it falls on her because she put on great fights, and her fight with Katie Taylor was a very very good fight against a, a top top woman in the world, and arguably number one and number two pound for pound in, in, in the ladies. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I give again credit for her, for lining his, her pockets, but not credit for, for where she's gotten herself. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a fight. They're all fights. World title fights are all tough, but you know, Serrano, even at her advanced stages of her career, she's got a different kind of power. Her yeah. punching power is, is exceptional. Um, and we don't really see that, especially with consistency. In the female weight divisions, the way we have seen with Serrano, she's been able, she knocks girls out at all these weight classes. It, it's very, very impressive. I love when she fights. Her fights are fun. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always look forward to a Amanda Serrano fight, honestly. She's a beast. There's no doubt about that. Her, her and Katie Taylor are my favorite, my favorite women to watch fight. They're, I, I hope I they fight both. next. I, I, yeah, they, they better. <laughs> I, I'd be a big mistake if they don't. I mean, it's the biggest money fight for them. Um, she throws 67 punches around Serrano. And that's keep in mind, that's two minutes. So that's equivalent to 100. 100 punches around, lands 21 punches per two minutes. Those are both number one in all of women's boxing. But I talked about maybe a little uh, showing signs of slippage. Her output is dropping a little bit. She's getting hit more. Uh, her last four fights have gone the distance. And this is, she racked up 30 KO wins in her first 42 fights. Her last four have gone the distance. Obviously, one was Katie Taylor, and Katie Taylor was almost knocked out in the fifth round. Um, yeah. That's why I'm taking uh, Serrano by decision. Uh, you can get mm. that for minus 140 right now on DraftKings. Um, Cruz, is, Cruz is tough. Uh, I watched some tape, and, you know, out of Mexico, she's WBA champ. Uh, she took the belt from Jelena Marjanovic, who was a, a good champion. Um, she defended it three times. But she's never fought anyone like Serrano. 
Like Serrano, I think, has 14 um, world champions on her resume, and Erica Cruz has one. So, I mean, like, the, there's going to be such a difference in experience. Uh, Serrano's fought on the biggest stage possible, that fight with Katie Taylor. But I do think it will go the distance. I do think Cruz will have a good performance, and we'll see. We'll see if, if Serrano still has that uh, motor and, and that punching power in this fight because I think everyone wants to see the fight with Katie Taylor next. Like, this is for history. Like I said, the next fight is for money and the fight that everyone wants to see. If it happens in Ireland, if it happens back at the Garden – that's still going to play out. Yeah, I, I, well put. I mean, I don't really have much to add to that, but uh, I'll be there firsthand. <laughs> hey, wait, hey, partner, when you're on, you're on, man. Yeah. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to try and steal the show. I'm feeling I'm gonna, good I'm this not gonna fight you. I'm not going to fight you for the for the for the mic. No, I like that. Um, yeah, good fight. Alicia Baumgartner, Elm Mackaled. Uh, Baumgartner is a huge favorite in this fight. Everyone wants to see her fight, Michaela Mayer. Um, mm-hmm. Makaled is she's busy. Um, Baumgartner is not. Baumgartner yeah. is she's you know sits down on her shots. We've seen how she fights McMayer. She might have given away some rounds early by not throwing a lot of punches. That's just her game though, right? It's her game is I'm throwing 30, 35 punches for two minutes, and I'm gonna you know sit down on my shots. I'm gonna be in and out with my athleticism, and I fully mm-hmm. expect Baumgartner uh, to win this fight. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, anything can happen in, in two minute rounds. Um, but I don't know. I think Bumgarner is riding very high. This one thing about when you when you win a title, some some chant. Well, I think everyone does. Gets better a little bit. Some get a lot better. And I think for Bumgarner, a lot of it because she has the physical gifts. Um, she's been box. She's ran around boxing a very long time. She's got a, a great coach, and now she's just kind of believing in herself. And she's got that momentum. She's got that confidence. That self belief that goes a long way. When yeah. you when you got the straps around your waist and you're looking for another one, so yeah, it should be it should be uh, really a showcase for Baumgartner. She is really confident. And a showcase, which is weird because it's also an undisputed fight. And but Mekhaled lost her last fight to Delphine Pursun. Like it's supposed Who's to be very good. It's supposed to be Pursun versus very... Gardner Baumgartner. Yes, yeah. And it was originally yes, supposed I mean to be that. Choi versus Baumgartner, but Choi has been the champion yeah. for like nine years and has eight defenses and yeah, is a champion in recess. Like, remember Mayer and Bumgarner were both chasing Choi because they wanted to become undisputed first. And they were like, all right, Choi, they went to the negotiating table like three or four times with Choi. Pretty clear she doesn't want to fight any of them. So finally they made a good decision and we're like, all right, you're a champion in recess. Go over in the corner. And now Bumgarner and Mayer will fight. Uh, but it's just funny how that all works. Like, Mechalid lost to Pursun last fight, but now she's getting an undisputed title fight. Yeah, well, I saw Choi fight a, a journeyman. I called the fight a few years ago and I was like, this girl can't hang with any of these top girls. And Michaela was going to, was going to chew her up. Baumgartner would too. So it makes sense why she didn't want that fight. But yeah, uh, yeah I mean, <sighs> people are looking at this. It's like, ah, this is, this is like you said, this is just a legacy fight. We're adding, we're adding that extra belt so we can get a true undisputed. And then the next one will be the big one. Uh, Baumgartner was, there was like rumors of her potentially fighting Katie Taylor, um, which would be an in-house matchroom fight yeah. if the Serrano talks somehow don't turn into a fight. I'd be shocked if Serrano doesn't fight Katie Taylor next. I think that would be a massive mistake on both their parts because their money is there. In Eddie has come out and said that Croke Park is it's not really uh, like financially it might not make sense. But it's fine. Move it on somewhere mm-hmm. else. Do it in the garden again. That's where I think the fight should be anyway. Yeah, you said that from the beginning. I, I, liked, I liked going it over there, but you liked it over here, which Listen, that doesn't that doesn't hurt us. Look, it happens. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but no, it's good for boxing if it happens. It has to happen. Uh, but, I mean, there's a lot of good... It's funny because we're talking about these four women, and there's a lot of good fights to be made amongst amongst the four. Yeah. Between Baumgartner, Michaela, um, uh, Katie Taylor, and, and Serrano. I mean... We mix all them up. We can have a nice little, nice little go around, a little round robin. Yeah, and they fight each other. That's the thing. They're willing to fight, yeah. and and they're they're willing to make these fights happen. Uh, other fights in that: Richardson Hitchens is fighting John Bowser. Uh, Bowser was with Top Rank for a while. Uh, like that fight. Um, mm -hmm. There's someone else on the Good fight. I think the uh, the Rashad Mati fight. I think is off. Um, someone tweeted that at me. Um, Scott yeah, Nicholson. That, that, that's not on. That's not on any of the, any of the paperwork that I have. So yeah, I think, yeah, think the opponent's right. out. Um, Scott Nicholson is fighting Tanya Alvarez. Guy was here at the office. Uh, got some cool videos coming out with her. So she is also on the card. Keep an eye on her. She's up and coming at, at 126. Uh, then over on ESPN Friday night on ESPN. This is kind of a bummer because it was supposed to be Emmanuel Navarrete versus Valdez. Uh, which would have been an awesome fight. Valdez got awesome hurt. Fight. The winner, Valdez is getting the winner of this fight. It's Emmanuel Navarrete versus Liam Wilson. Um, this is for the vacant title at 130 pounds that was vacated by Shakur Stevenson when he moved up to 135. Uh, Navarrete fighting at 130 pounds where I think he belongs. Uh, the guy is huge. Uh, he eats a lot in between fights. I can see him one day going to 135. Uh, but for now, he's at, at 130. Um Wilson, no one knows much about Wilson. He's Australian fighter. He's tall. He's five foot nine. Uh, he has length. He has a really, really good left hook. Um, I could see him landing that left at some point in this fight, only because Navarrete is so awkward. His footwork is so strange that he puts himself in bad defensive spots. And I could see Wilson landing something, but I do think Navarrete will wear him down, and Navarrete will win late. Yeah, I've called a, a few of Navarrete's fights, and yeah, awkward is, is definitely the word, but man, he's got power, he's physically strong, and he's just, even though he's awkward and he gets hit with shot, he doesn't get hit that clean. He rolls with the shots very nicely and just kind of makes punches just miss and takes a lot of the brunt off the shots and comes right back. Uh, fun guy to watch fight, uh, even if it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but he goes after knockouts. He, he's, he's trying for it every single round. He throws bad intentions. You can see it on his face. He's making... He's a great TV as fighter. He's punching. Great TV fighter. Um, he's he's a character too. Having fighter meetings, he's 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 funny. He's he's aggressive. He's confident. So uh, yeah, I, I like I like Navarrete fights. I like you said. I don't know much about this Wilson character, but I'm sure it'll be a fun fight. Any fighter that like blows up in weight in between fights, that's like code word for this guy enjoys life, party. Yeah, this guy this guy this guy's a wild man. Yeah, exactly. Like Durant. Yeah. Like you know, getting huge in between fights. Or Ricky Hatton. Or Gotti. Gotti. Ricky Hatton. Yeah, these are guys that, yeah, like, when Durant. I hear that, I'm Wild like, man. I'm hearing that. I'm like, oh, that's probably not good, obviously, for your career. But it means that, but like, let's go hang out. Yeah, you're having fun. <laughs> I would want to go hang out with Manny Navarrete in, in Mexico. Um, I'm here for a good time, not a long time. <laughs> we'll see uh, what's going on with him. Um, take a look at the 130 pound uh, rankings. It's a division that is kind of wide open because uh, Shakur Stevenson leaving. Valdez, I still think, is a player. Hector Garcia, who lost the tank. Still has his title. Um, you got Joe Cardina. Oshaki Foster is fighting Ray Vargas uh, for the other vacant title this year. So that's what's going on 130. That's going to shake out. It's always nice when it, the belts clear out and we can see someone else emerge, um, even though none of them are on the even close to the same level as uh, Shakur Stevenson. Um, but if you're looking to put some money on this fight, I have a parlay coming out at the end of the week. I'm actually red hot this year. 
Uh, I know that's hard to believe. Uh, I've won all my bets this year, boxing. Last week I had better be of 7 through 12 knockout. Had some people, I put it on Twitter, I had some people saying, no, you're wrong. He's going to blow yard out. And then it was like plus 200? Like I made a pretty good amount of money on, on, on better be of uh, winning in the second half. Hey, hey Dan, can I borrow some money, man? I, uh, I, uh, my, some... my DraftKings account is, is looking nice right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's looking flush. It's looking, looking flush uh, right now. Yeah, um, so I'm putting some money down on the Serrano decision, and then I'm parlaying it with Navarrete Wilson over seven and a half rounds. I think Navarrete hasn't shown one-punch power to me. He's no, shown he doesn't get guys early. He, matriculation. He early. He, yeah, he beats you down. Yep. He, he's a matriculator, and, and, and Wilson's tall. He's got a pretty good jab. Um, you know, he, he could maybe last in there, uh, in the second half of the fight, I could see, uh, never right day taking over. And also on this card too, Chris Barboza, Arnold Barboza versus Jose Pedraza. Good fight. I love that fight. I like that fight a lot. That's a good fight. How about you fight of the weekend? Uh, could, yeah, potentially. Yeah. That would, that would be my leading fight of the weekend, uh, fight because, that's a, you know, it's just a good it's a good fight timing wise it's a good fight uh, skill set wise you, you got Barboza who hasn't really been tested yet but has been under the radar coming up with with solid wins solid wins everything about Barboza is solid mm-hmm. you know um, hasn't had any of those breakout fights yet hasn't had any names yet this would be his first name he's fighting Jose Pedraza Pedraza's in his third weight class at this point um, although has been doing very well at 140. Um, Definitely not the same guy he was at 30 and 35, but still a very, very good fighter. And, yeah, it's, it's the timing-wise is, is interesting. You know, Barbosa's on the way up. Pedraza's on the way wherever. And, yeah, I think – and even stylistically, I think Barbosa's much bigger. Um, physically strong guy, not a huge puncher. And you got Pedraza, who durable. is very durable, very experienced. And his nickname is the sharpshooter. I mean, a sniper, rather. Sniper. So he, and he is, a, he is a sharpshooter. The guy – he doesn't have a big punch, but he hurts guys because he's he's that sharp of a puncher and he's got very, he's very accurate. So I'm really curious to see how Barboza um, can deal with the veteran like that. Yeah, this is the um, Tiafimo Bowl, maybe. Like Tiafimo was supposed to fight yeah, yeah. Pedraza. Um, I think Pedraza got hurt or something. Um, Barboza's been calling for Tiafimo for years. Tiafimo looks like he's turning down the Progray fight. Progray is like. That that's a situation that's that's pretty uh, showing the boxing side of business too. It's like, who else turned it down? Jose Ramirez turned it down first, because yeah. of the split is so low. It's like twenty five percent, and you know his manager Rick Mira, that guy's insane. But Region. he yeah, but he's he he knows boxing yeah. and Ramirez has turned down the fight with Progre because the the percentage is way too low. Turning down title fights and Tiofimo looks like he's turning down a title fight with, with Progre. Because he's not accepting 25%. I understand that from a fighter standpoint. Like, you got to make as much money as you possibly can. Jose Ramirez can fight in in California, his hometown, and make way more than that. But you're not fighting for a title. Like, you're losing your spot in line. Yeah, but Dan... Who's so going to... Who's probably going to fight? Inside boxing here. 25% is crazy. It, it's really low. And, and it, listen, and this is, this, is, this is where the inside boxing comes in. You take 25... You're stuck at twenty five. <laughs> if you, it's like a, if you take low money, you're known as a low money fighter. Yeah, but is, it doesn't it different though because it's with it's a purse bid. It's kind of like here it is set in stone. This isn't like an open negotiation. It's almost like Progre has earned that right with the with the purse bid, 
where he if gets seventy five percent. If you show yourself to take low money because of an opportunity, I've done this. You're gonna fall into you're gonna fall into that that price range. It's really really tough. You got to have a really really savvy management. And sometimes it, it pays to to let it linger a little bit. I mean, I did I I did it in my negotiations for my Pacquiao fight. Made me a lot more money by doing it. But yeah, you you got to be really careful with this kind of stuff because you don't want to get pigeonholed as a guy. You know, as an opportunity guy. Okay, cool. That's that's great. You know, but you you listen. We're prize fighting guys. This is you got to make money. And twenty five is crazy. I think it's I I agree with you, but I think it's a little different because of. It's like almost like an arbitrator coming in and ruling, but I know what you're saying, and it's just crazy because Pro Gray can't get a fight now. Like no, like these are two now, two guys that have now turned it down because of, of the money. And but that's what's going on 140. Um, Barboza Pedraza should be a fun one. Should be a nice little fun weekend of boxing. And like these aren't huge names. Like the whole month of February has solid matchups, but no like real star. Um, later on in the month, Jake Paul is fighting Tommy Fury. They got in the ring before the uh, <laughs> better be a fight. Uh, I'm excited for that fight. I'm excited. I don't. We'll get to really? it later on in another episode. I'm very excited for Jake Paul, Tommy Fury. I don't care who knows it. I will scream it from a mountaintop. Um, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen. But okay. Yeah, I don't think it's. It might. You have Mike Perry. I think. I think, I think it's. I mean, yeah, I think it's. I mean, uh, what is it? Platinum, Platinum Mike, Mike is will be flying with the crew because if Tommy Fury doesn't show up, Platinum Mike Perry is stepping in, which is just he's, a wild, he's a wild man. Platinum hilarious. Mike Perry. Yep. Yeah, uh, uh, that's that's he's way outgunned, but he's a wild man. Um, some other prospects on the cards this weekend. Keep an eye on Emilio Emiliano Vargas. He's the Ooh, son. I like that kid a lot. He is the son of Fernando Vargas. I know Fernando Vargas has like three sons that are pros, but this is the best one. This is the blue chip prospect that top rank snatched uh, from Triller and all that. This guy is the goods. Uh, Richard Torres also fights this weekend. I'm sure he's gonna blow the guy out in like three minutes. Um, but it's a pretty good card top rank put together with some, some, they always put together good cards. Now it's almost like a must watch on the early portion of the night because you get to see all their prospects and their prospects are awesome. They've, they've done a great job gathering a, a really nice crew of very top notch prospects, but then also the way they, that top rank builds guys, which has always been their, their, their MO. Um, I think the future is very, very bright for those guys and for, for top rank in general. All right, everybody. That is our show. That was a good one. Um, covered a lot of ground. Um, next week we'll come in on Monday. We missed last Monday. We won't. We'll, we'll be here on Monday's episode, breaking down this whole weekend. Uh, safe travels, Chris. Coming over this way to New York City. Bring your jacket. Bring a scarf. Bring gloves. Bring That's your A game. Quick, quick, quick. Two-hour flight. Boom, to, boom, boom. From South Florida, right in and out, guys. In and out. Call some fights. Grab that check. Get back home. That's what I'm talking about, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. As always, protect yourselves at all times. Uh, keep your hands up at all times. Stay out of those DMs.